<laughs> he, he said he was going to introduce me. That means he's going to make fun of me. Yeah. So I love you, yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to say again, if you, um, if you are here and are planning to be um, baptized this morning, we're going to do that. Alan's going to preach, then the band is going to come up and do a song, and then we're going to do the baptism. So um, in the next little bit before Alan gets finished, um, if you need to get changed, that'll be a good time to get changed. And then be ready, just come over here on the side um, when the band starts playing after after Alan's done. Okay? That's what we're doing. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Well, let me pray for you. Okay. God, thanks again for uh, just bringing us here. And thank you for Alan and his willingness to step in and uh, bring a message today. I know that you've been working on his heart and uh, preparing our hearts as well. And so just uh, thank you for what you're going to say through him to us. And uh, just thank you again for this uh, incredible day to come and worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I always feel lucky when Corey asks me to preach. Um, two reasons, because I'm not employed here, so if I say something stupid, they can't fire me. So, um, which sometimes happens. I know it's hard to believe, but uh, that does happen sometimes. Um, as I get started, it's, I do want us to remember Florida. I just got back about a month ago from Florida down by Inglewood and such and such. Uh, I had a kid in my youth group that had a house down there, and he just sent us pictures of it back, and it's really amazing because it's still standing, but it's got some damage and stuff, and it made me think about how inconsistent things are in the world and how we like consistency, but yet things change. And I don't know if that's always good or bad, but but they do. And um, it made me think about, years ago I was leading a Bible study, and I don't remember what it was on at the time, but it, it, uh, the gal made a comment that I'll never forget. She goes, well, this is what I believe. And I said, well, that's cool. You can believe whatever you want. But if it doesn't match Scripture, it's not godly. I mean, if there's Scripture that is against what you're saying, you can believe what you want, but I would call that a Christian view. Um... So what I want to talk about today is, how do you establish your belief system? Because right now in today's world, there's a lot of things that are vying for your belief systems. And I'm going to hit on a few of them. Please, if I offend anybody, I'm not trying to, uh, because I'm really trying to offend everybody. (laughs) My wife says these make make me look studious, but I'm not. It just helps me see better. One of the things that, that I see, and, and I'll name a handful of these, is uh, uh, the political system. Yes, I'm going to say it. The political system. Which political side you're on. It's vying for Whether you're Fox News or CNN, they're vying for your belief system. Um, sometimes... You know, we get caught up in that. The media starts pushing and pushing and pushing. And you're like, who do I believe? Well, A, if you're a Christian, I don't think you should, you should make your own evaluation on your biblical beliefs. It's funny because years ago when something, you know, we disagreed with something, it was something that was much more different. Um, I always think um, uh, a good example is, are you a Chevy or a Ford guy? Of course, now you have Dodge, but, you know, you're one or the other, and you argued or discussed about Chevy or Ford. 
If you're a guy out there and you know what I'm talking about, please raise your hand. Okay, good. It makes me feel better. Uh, I am a Chevy guy. I don't going to tell you what, but I was more of a Chevy guy. And I always said, Fords always came with a dog. So that when you broke down, you had somebody to walk back to town with. So, of course, they would say other things about Chevys, but needless to say, that was my... The other one is, you know, you're either in Kansas, you're either a K-State fan or a KU fan. Which is kind of odd right now because KU's got a good football team. And I'm a K-State guy. But my comment, and one of my best friends went to KU. And I was actually there when we beat them in football and there was a riot at K-State down at Aggieville. And that was a long time ago now that they're good. But I always made a comment that I would rather, I would rather flunk out at K-State than graduate from KU. The other one is a, a very good friend of mine that I worked at the lake with. Um, he was a teacher. And we were totally opposite ends of the perspective on our political views. And we would get in these discussions all the time. And, and he would give me a hard time about my political view. And he, I would give him a hard time about his political view. And many times we, as we listened, we learned a lot. We didn't fight. We didn't argue. We, did, we just discussed. And it was good. It was good for me. I liked people like that. Because there are certain things that I've learned, and I think he learned some things from me. Now, one time we got into kind of a heated discussion, and he's a Christian. And I could tell he was getting kind of worked up. And his, I'll tell you, his name is Lyle, because he doesn't even live here anymore. Um, I said, Lyle, I said, dude, I said, you know, we're Christians. Our political views shouldn't matter compared to what our Christian views are. My Christian view is so much more important in him as a Christian brother in Christ than my political view. In our world today now, it seems like that's not happening. And I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Another area that can help you establish your belief systems is your friends. I used to always tell when I worked with inmates that you become like your friends. And some of your friends, you need to be very careful around. If you have a better time with your non-Christian friends than you do with your Christian friends, maybe it's time to evaluate your heart. So friends can help you on your belief systems. Of course, the family. Um, I learned a lot from my parents. I, I was lucky. I was raised in a Christian family. Uh, those in non-Christian families, you know, I, I, always, I always sympathized with them. But I had a strong Christian belief growing up. Now, I'll be honest with you, my dad wasn't always right. As a parent, I'm not always right. Probably one of the things I learned from my dad is learn how to apologize when I'm wrong. And I try to do that with my son. And I, I encourage them to develop their own beliefs. I remember one time my dad, he was an engineer, very smart. My, my, my son took after him. Me, not so much. In fact, I flunked out of Wichita State. So, I mean, I, that's how much I got school at the time. Now, I went back to school and got my degree at Manhattan Christian College. But... Um, Needless to say, I remember one time he made a comment to me, and he was a Christian man. He says, you know, I, I said, Dad, I'm thinking about being a youth minister. And he looks at me and goes, well, they don't make any money. 
Uh, you, after 20 years of doing it, he's right. But nevertheless, I felt like my job and what I did was valuable. And now he's very proud of me, of what I chose to do. Um, but at the time, he wasn't. Another one that I think is kind of funny, and you might be surprised I say this, but sometimes religion and denominations, uh, we, de- we determine uh, how we believe on them. And I gotta be, I'm going to be very honest with you, because I've worked at several different denominations. Sometimes denominations can get more caught up in the denomination versus what the scriptures say. You've got to be careful about that, too. I remember years ago in a youth group one time, kids would always ask me, well, what do you believe, Alan? I'd always say, it doesn't matter what I believe. It's what the scriptures say. What do the scriptures say on things? And I would try to give them my belief and base it on scriptures. But what I really wanted them to do is learn the scriptures on their own so they could make those decisions by themselves. One of the things I value about Corey when he's up here, and, and I can kind of evaluate him and, you know, critique him because I got a little more experience in this, but he'll make comments sometimes. He says, well, this is what I believe. And you can either believe that too or not, or you can choose your own way. But you, we got to be based on scriptures. I'm going to use two pieces of paper, and one of the things I used to do is I'd have two circles. And we'll just say these are your belief systems, and these are God's. We really want this to happen, where you don't see either one of the, it's one paper. And many times it's like this when we go back and forth, where part of this in the middle is the same, but we always struggle with that. And that's part of life. But our belief systems should be as Christians where they overlap. Where my belief systems are exactly the same as God's. So let's pull up Joshua. So what I decided to do was take up God's chosen people. And so we're going to pull up something from the Old Testament. And the Israelites, it's very funny because they were God's chosen people. But did they always make good decisions? Heck no. Heck no. They were always struggling, going back and forth. And back then, some of what they called gods, they would literally form a god out of some gold and say, okay, we're going to worship this golden image. Today's society, we don't have that. I don't, I don't know of anybody that's done that lately. Corey, have you d- developed a golden image and set it aside and started worshiping it? No, okay, good, because I didn't think people did that nowadays. But now we have other things. Some of the other things that we, we, we do nowadays, which are really strange, is I was just talking about sports, and I love sports. And guess what? I could spend all time on sports watching game after game after game and ignoring God. That's not mean I'm doing anything bad. But is it productive in today's society? Probably not. And we can add a lot of things in there. But let's go ahead and look at Joshua. And Joshua, and Joshua, oh, there we go. I love this so much better because I don't have to wear my glasses. Um, so a little background on Joshua. He had the Israelites, and they had done all these other things. And there was a pact made with the Israelite people that there was going to be no other gods before them that God, our Father, that's who they were going to worship. And so Joshua, at this time, he's kind of going like, all right, people, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's what, here's what I'm talking to you about. And so I'm going to restart reading. This is right as that when they crossed in the Jordan and came to Jericho, the citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites and all the ites. 
okay? We'll just call them all the I's because I don't get into like that, which is kind of cool because years ago when I was a minister at First Christian Church, I've actually been to Israel. So when we start talking about the Jordan River and junk like that, I've been there. It's like I, I visualize it in my mind. You have an opportunity to go there, man. It, 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 it's just, it totally opens up the scriptures to me. The Jordan River, it's got trout in it. I mean, you could go trout fishing there. It was so amazing. Anyhow, so, so all these Ezites and ites, and, but I gave them into your hands. And this is interesting. I set a hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. This hornet isn't exactly wasp or hornet. It's not necessarily hornets and wasps. It's like, what do you do when a hornet or a wasp around you? My grandkids like running, and they run away from it. He put something in their, in their minds that they feared the Israelites, and they left without a battle. Like, hey, man, God's coming here. We need to leave because we fear this situation. So anyhow, so it drove out all these people for you. Also the, also the two Amorite kings. You did, not have, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. So in other words, they had a pretty good life. How would you like to not have to pay a mortgage on your house and have food there in today's society without having to do anything? Sign me up. And that's what he's saying to them. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all your faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and, and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let me stop there. This verse right here has been in underlined in my Bible since I was in high school. Since I was in high school. I learned that such a long time ago that it has been the basis of what I built my family on and those scriptures. And have I swayed back and forth? Yes, I've been just like the Israelites and made some mistakes along the way. But never along it did I ever sway from I'm serving the Lord. Whether I get paid for it or I just volunteer. And that's what my, my household is going to be. Okay, keep going. So, but he gives them a choice. He says, you're going to have to make a decision. You can pick all the other gods and go from there, or you can serve the, serve the Lord. Then the people answered. So he's like, all right, here's the deal. This is what I'm doing. What are you guys going to do? Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve, to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too serve the Lord because he is our God. So they're starting to understand, you know, God's taking care of us. Maybe that's who we should be serving. Keep going, Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after 
after he has been good to you. You see, he starts giving them, but it sounds like there's still some stuff going on in their nation that they aren't totally serving the Lord. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you're our witnesses against yourself that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord. You see, there was some more stuff going on in these people that they, they made it sound like they're serving the Lord, but they had some closets here. They had some stuff on the thing. I, I think a lot of this, in, in my opinion, I get to say that, in my opinion, there might have been, a lot of these things were made out of gold and silver and stuff that you know, was very valuable that time, and they called them gods and stuff like that. Well, they were valuable. So they didn't want to get rid of them. Among you and your yield your heart. So he says, hey, you guys need to get rid of them. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord, our God, and obey him. I think that this is one of the reasons, and, and this scripture is, when we establish our belief systems, it needs to be on the basis. Not, I believe there's a God, but I'm serving God. And many of us say, I believe there's a God, but never ever served God. And the tough part about that is, and I'll get into this a little bit more, is that when I have to serve God, some of my views, some of my ideas, some of my thoughts become second. And actually, if you have a wife and kids, it might even be third or four. And we don't like that. We don't like a God telling us what we should and shouldn't believe. And yes, there might be times when you feel guilty for doing something because it isn't serving God. I made a commitment years and years ago uh, that I would serve the Lord. And it's quite interesting and, and pretty awesome. I married a Christian lady. My kids have become Christians, and all of them serve the Lord. As you saw DJ playing the guitar up here, I have another son that plays the drums for another church. And my daughter actually does some other stuff that she's uh, um, been doing, or uh, in the process of doing to serve God more too. Uh, she actually works at Kindercare, and uh, it's anybody that works with three-year-olds, they're doing God's work. <laughs> so, you can believe what you want, but if it is not scripturally based, then it's not godly. We need to get our views from the scriptures. One of the biggest problems is, that, and I was going to bring this up, is, well, we don't know the scriptures. I don't know what the, I don't know what the verses say. Or I don't understand them. Well, part of your job is to learn and understand what the scriptures say. Like I said, I had kids in my youth group that would always ask me questions, and I always say, you need to learn these yourself. You need to find out and learn about the scriptures and read them. And as you read them, you're going to start understanding that. If you don't understand it, then I'll help you. And sometimes that happens. That happens a lot. I have a lot of people say, well, I can be a Christian and not go to church. Absolutely. But then can you explain to me the scriptures and what they mean? Because you should be teaching. That means if you're not going to church, you probably already know it all. And you can start teaching other people. So, needless to say, which is, is tough because I don't come to church some. It's not because I don't want to hear Corey preach. It's because i got to work at the lake. And i got to work weekends. 
When I work at the lake, you know what I do? I listen to other sermons. In fact, I usually listen to about four or five of them. So by the time I listen to four or five of them, it, it, trumps, it trumps Corey's sermons. <laughs> no offense to Corey, but they're, they're pretty good. In fact, some of my sermons come from their sermons, so you know, anyhow. Um, so that's part of our job is to actually know and we don't understand. The other thing is, and I, I'm going to have you pull up 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Another verse I learned a long time ago. Um, should we get our biblical base, our decision-making process, our belief systems from the world? Absolutely not. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If, you, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Or not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of his flesh, the lust of his eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So these are some things, and I, I like to change this around. For everything in the world, and these, these three things, and if we made it in a Christian verse, the lust of God, in other words, we're, we're trying to be after God, the lust of God, of God and, and my eyes are focused on God, and the pride in God. You can add God in each one of those, and then it's going to be okay. But it's not a selfish, it's not a worldly view. And that, in today's society, if you don't see that now anymore, I mean, there's correlations now that are trying to get Christianity out of our country. If we don't stand up, if we don't make a decision and serve the Lord, where are we going to be? I'm not a meek Christian. My son could announce that. I'm not afraid of my Christian walk, good and bad, and the mistakes I've made along the way. I'm just, I, I'm human, I've made mistakes, but I'm not afraid of my God, and I know what my belief systems are. So should the belief systems come from the world? No. But the man who does the will of God shall live forever. That's pretty, that's pretty strong. You can add women into that too, or what other, other gender you want to say, but we got to do what God's will is. I'm going to conclude in about 10 minutes. I'm going to conclude with a couple things. What are you doing in your family to develop a biblical-based belief system? Are you doing anything in your family now? I'm going to kind of put it on dads, because I think you're responsible for your, your family, for your belief systems. I mean, moms too. One of the things I'm doing that I think is very, very fun, as a youth minister, I've got to influence a lot of kids in my life, and it's been, it's been exciting to see them. I use Chelsea and Corey there because, well, I play a lot of basketball with Corey. And in fact, when I had a heart attack, he came and visited me. That meant a lot to me, Corey. That showed the type of person you were. It really meant a lot. Chelsea, the Foshies, and the, the, the youth group that I had years ago. And so I've got to be able to influence a lot of people through the years. And hopefully somewhere down the line, they've developed a belief system that serving God is important. Um, my daughter and I, every morning, six o'clock, we get up. I know, kind of early. I make one sausage, three eggs. We have chicken, so three eggs, a piece of cinnamon toast, and some blueberries. I eat that 99% of the time, correct, Whit? And she makes an egg sandwich with toast. And we get our, our breakfast, and we go in to watch the news, see what the weather is going to be, and we read from the scriptures. 
We shut TV off and read some, some scriptures. We've been doing this long enough, we've gone through the New Testament. Minus the last book of the Bible. We haven't done that one yet. I told her we're going to wait on that one at the very end. Now we're starting the Old Testament. So we're in Genesis, and we're going through it. And we have a time, and we, we, we read for five, ten minutes, and then I do a prayer. Probably one of the best parts of my life. One of my best parts of my day. If you start out your day in an aspect where Scripture's first, you know, if I have a bad day from there on, my perspective is different. That just doesn't happen unless you apply your life, unless you do something about it. You just can't automatically be a Christian. You've got to work at it. Um, one other situation happened. I'm giving two or three stories as I get ready to end. Years ago, when I was a youth minister at First Christian, I was at, I was at the office, and about 1.32 in the afternoon, I got a call. The secretary took the call and says, yeah, the principal at the middle school wants to talk to you. My comment was, whatever I did back in middle school, I've hit the grandfather clause by now. You can't hold that against me now. And then I'm thinking about what it was and this and that. But this is at the middle school here at the El Dorado. The old, first Christian was right next to the, where the middle school used to be, where I know a lot of the older people here know, you know where the middle school, the old brick building, and, and so on. And, he, and so I had to go over there. I don't care how old you are. I was still a little nervous. I was like, oh, what the heck did I do wrong? You know, da, da, da. I go over there. I go up to the principal's office, and my son's in the principal's office with two or three other kids from my youth group. And I'm kind of looking at him, and he kind of looks at me. And the principal says, well, you've been teaching something at your church. And I went through this, it's called the Kent Hobine series on God created. And he was a science teacher. And I don't like it when in schools, they teach one side, not both sides. Um, I don't think that's right. And I think that there are times that you maybe should stand up. And my kids decided that they didn't want to go in and listen to about the Big Bang Theory. Now, you understand theories in scientific form, the way that the science believe is something true until proven not. Which I think they're patting themselves on the back a little bit. Because to me, a theory should be something that's an idea until you prove its existence. Well, in the Big Bang Theory, to be honest with you, I'm old and I wasn't around. Even in creation, I wasn't around. So we're establishing what our beliefs are by what the Bible says. But, but in the schools, they don't like to get into any God thing, and, and I believe in God creation. In other words, God created. Well, they don't teach that in school. And should they or shouldn't? I don't know. But I don't think they should teach one without the other. And so they were making a stand like, we're not gonna go watch this unless I came in and talked about God creation. Then all of a sudden, I kind of became proud of my kids, kids in my youth group. You know, they were there for a better reason than throwing spit wads at somebody else in their class. Some TJ would have done. Um, 
So they were up there and they were making a comment. And so the principal, I said, yeah, I said, no, okay. So they want to go watch this film on the Big Bang Theory. What, what, you know, and they said, well, they either want you to come and talk and spend a day talking about creation science that God created and da-da-da. And he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home and do some homework. And I just started laughing because I told the kid, just think, you made the principal do homework. High five me. I always wanted to do that, make the principal have to do homework. And the next day I got a call and said that they didn't have to watch and I wasn't going to get a speak, which I was fine with. It doesn't matter, you know, but, but I was proud that they made a stands. And I think that there's times that, I, that learning from them, seventh and eighth grade kids, that they made a stand, that there are a lot of parents that could learn from that. So when I had kids years ago, as a family man, I used to think about, I remember holding DJ and my daughter and my other son, probably more DJ because he was my first kid. And we had this kid that we had all these running jokes with because we knew he was gonna be named, does anybody know what his name is? Dominique Jordan. Exactly. Uh, It's a basketball name. Uh, I knew my kid was going to be named Dominique Jordan, my first kid, when I was in high school before I married my wife. I even told her, you know what? When, before we get married, I only have two requests. I don't do dishes. And my son's going to be named Dominique. And, she, and she, she agreed. And that's when she asked me to marry her. But anyhow, those are the two things that, the two things that I said. Now, I, still, I do do dishes when she's sick. I cook all the time. I do a lot of housework, but that's one. I don't want to do, but if she's sick, I, I do those. And our son's going to be not Dominique Jordan. The ironic thing is, in that whole, whole scenario, is that we used to joke about DJ being born, that he's going to be a short, fat, red-headed kid and play the tuba. <laughs> and you laughed at that because it almost all came true. <laughs> so... When he was, and also he was a C-section, so we were doing these Lamaze classes and all this stuff and, and so on, and, and one out of seven had, was, a, was a C-section, and, and I said, that'll probably be us, you know, I'm, that'll probably be us. Sure enough, we're up at, we were in school at the time at K-State and MCC. We went to, went to the, the hospital, I don't know how many times I ran in, false labor, blah, 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 and we finally get the hospital and we're going in and he's stuck and now we got to go and have a c-section and and so i go in you know and i've helped my father-in-law my father was a veterinarian so i've helped him do numerous operations so even my wife said oh you're going in so i i get all the doctor stuff in i got to go in and watch all the stuff and the immediate when they pulled him out he's got this reddest the reddest hair i've ever seen in my life i'm like i have no red hair in my family you know are we sure this one's mine and he's short and pudgy and chunky. I can say this because he plays guitar up here. And, and, and just pudgy and chunky. And I'm like, God, he's got red hair and he's, well, what the heck? And so they clean him up and everything. He's got 10, fi- 10 fingers, 10 toes, uh, maybe a few extra ones. Um, but so we get back. My wife finally comes through after the whole surgery and she goes, she goes, uh, well, what do we have? I said, looks like a lizard coming out, but it was a boy. And her first comment was, 
Oh, Dominique Jordan. Now, I picked Dominique. She picked Jordan, just so you know. And so he's been gone by DJ for, for years. But, oh, it's Dominique Jordan. And I look at her, I said, and he has red hair. You got red hair in your family? Because I don't. <laughs> Find out later, her grandpa used to be named Red because he had hair. He had gray hair now. So it came from her side of the family. And he's pudgy and da-da-da, you know. And our comment the whole time was, well, keep him away from the tuba. He is not going to play the tuba. Out of all those things, he's not playing the tuba. But I remember holding him and, and, and thinking about, and I was actually watching basketball, NBA playoffs at the time, and, and I was thinking, man, someday he's going he's gonna to make the winning shot. How cool would that be? And then I started thinking, well, maybe sometime he's actually going to be an engineer, which he is. What is he going to do? What is his life going to develop into? And I think many of you as parents thought about this with your own kids. What are they going to do? How are they going to be? What type of person are they going to be? And I made that commitment years ago that whatever it is, he's going to be raised in a Christian environment. But as times went on a little bit, I thought, God, if he just is potty trained, I'm going to be ecstatic. I mean, that became way more popular than him making a winning shot. If he didn't play basketball, oh well, but at least he's potty trained now. Because it's pretty embarrassing when they get to be an adult and not being potty trained, is what I'm thinking. And then I started thinking as a youth minister, you know, someday I'm going to get to baptize him. Whoa. Then it became real. With each one of my kids, I've got to baptize them. Those are probably three of the proudest days of my life that they found the Lord. And today is the day, which is ironic, that we're talking about baptism. And in baptism, there's gonna be some kids that get baptized today. And it's always funny because then parents get to come and watch them or relatives and stuff like that because it's important as a Christian. As a family, as far as me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I pray that that is your same prayer too. And we know that, but, those, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. I'm gonna pray and we'll get ready for our baptisms. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for all you've given us. I thank you for the people that are here today. Father, I pray that I, I spoke some, some words of wisdom to them that you would want me to, to do, Father. I pray that uh, the kids that are getting baptized and those that uh, this is the start of their Christian walk, that their morals and beliefs can be based on Scripture, Father, as each of us should be. I pray this in your name. Amen. song before we have baptism so let's stand up and once we get all ready we will start